on a very exciting episode of Riff and Rock Music Talk. Ryan and I interview Neil Stribble of Metempsychosis and his own self-titled work to determine what indeed is the perfect sandwich. Oh yeah, and I got something about David Boy, but who cares? We have an interview. It's Riff and Rock Mew Mew Music Talk. Ryan, do you want to lead us in again or no? No, you can please take the honor. Actually, I think Neil should do it. Neil, you want to lead us in? No, you do it. Okay. <laughs> oh, dear God. All right, everyone. Welcome back to another riveting post-St. Patrick's Day episode of Riff and Rock Music Talk. Ryan and I here with the ever not famous Neil Strubble. Struble? Struble. Struble of Metempsychosis. He has come to join us on our show to um, at our begging and pleading so that we could have a guest and say that we we actually can check the the box on our description where it says we actually interview people. So uh, Neil, welcome to the Three Ring Circus that is Riff and Rock Music Talk. Thank with you. With attitude. <laughs> <laughs> We're not calling you the cheese man, Ryan, just the... Yeah, sugar. I, I'm over that. You're now, over cheese man? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Just want to make sure. So, Neil, you are a member of Metempsychosis, correct? Yep. And you yep. do your own solo material as well. Yes. Okay. Um, so, obviously, there's probably a lot of people out there in podcast land who don't know anything about what you do. So, why don't right. you give them all a, just a little... Let's say, let's say you had to describe your music in one tweet. How would you describe it? <laughs> One tweet. In 140 um, characters. Um, well. <laughs> All right, you lost four already. <laughs> well, we do, you know, experimental stuff. I don't, experimental is probably the best term to use because I like to cover a lot of different genres. So, you know, do some electronic stuff, do some progressive rock stuff, ambient music, you know, you name so all right um yeah your band released an album this past year um it was in 2011 that was was our first album yeah okay and that would be uh a swarm of self yes okay why don't you tell us a little bit about swarm of self well um that was actually our second album that we made okay we made a um we made an album before that in 2009, but that was kind of just like our, it was our first experiment with really making an album. And, uh, you know, I wasn't very good at all of our stuff. We engineer and produce ourselves. So I wasn't very good at, you know, production and, uh, recording and mixing and all that back then. So we, we made that album and we still like some of the material, but it just doesn't sound very good. And, uh, we kind of told ourselves that we would go back and re-record parts of it and rework it someday, but you know we're always writing new music, so mm-hmm. we kind of just—it's uh, not a priority, basically. So anyway, so that was our album that we made in 2009, and that was a good experience, obviously, because I got you know a lot of knowledge about making music from that album. But Swarm of Self was our first album that we actually released, and with that album, we started to. Uh, experiment with different genres more you know it's a pretty ambient album mm-hmm. you know, as I'm sure you could tell so um, that album was mainly just made between me and two other people and uh, none of it was recorded in you know live together it was all you know separate parts recorded and put together and that was before we had our first uh, live lineup 
so we weren't playing shows at that point. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, uh, it's, um, I like that, you know, I'm proud of the album, but I think at this point it's a little outdated in terms of our skill as songwriters and, uh, you know, obviously the band sounds different now because we have a totally different lineup. So. Sure, sure. Right. Okay. I have a question for you. Um, okay. Do you guys, uh, where did you guys uh, come up with a name? Did it? Did you find it in a dictionary? Did it come to you in a dream? No, I mean, it was just, it was a term I had heard and uh, we, we were just kind of throwing around some different stuff and I've always been kind of fascinated by the idea of reincarnation. I don't necessarily believe in it, but I just think it's a fascinating concept. So, uh, you know, we decided to use that term, basically. What were some of the worst ideas that came out from that band name making process? <laughs> um, <laughs> honestly, there's only one other one I can remember, and it was Metanoia. Oh. But that wasn't really you know it's just another word but that didn't really uh it wasn't really a word that resonated with us as much basically i think i can't i don't think there are really many other band ideas besides that i think that's a good move because imagine if you know like you played a show and it really didn't go well and then you know the college uh -huh. newspaper rise would be like metanoia more like metanoia <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> well, okay, there you go. <laughs> got an A on my midterm. Oh yeah. <laughs> <The> Wordplay. <laughs> wow, you are too much sometimes, Alex. Oh, this is what happens when you wake up at five in the morning and work at a jail for eight hours. Your uh, sense of self deteriorates pretty rapidly. <laughs> and you're spot on with your puns. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta be. Those inmates are sharp, and you gotta throw those punches right back at them. Like booyah, metamanoia. <laughs> I was curious um, obviously we can always go on and on about musical inspirations and um, mm -hmm. from some of our conversations I've, I'm aware of some of them what are some of your uh, non-musical inspirations non-musical inspirations yes. well um, I mean you know I like films a lot obviously but you know even with film you know I'm influenced by you know the scores for films so but uh i don't know i mean besides that i just like to i anytime you know it sounds cliche but anytime i'm feeling some strong emotion you know that's when i feel like writing a song so speaking of film soundtracks you recently did one didn't you yeah well i did uh two short films for a friend a couple years ago and then I was working on a newer one recently, but it's kind of on hold right now. Mm -hmm. So, but uh, I actually just got like just last week got asked to do um, three more short films. So, wow. wow. So I'm gonna be pretty busy with that. <laughs> I listened to your entire discography. Um, I was pretty taken aback by how much you've like recorded, and it's pretty amazing. Um, but uh, one soundtrack that really stuck out or one album i guess is mm -hmm. the link kawas soundtrack I'm, i know oh, okay. i'm butchering the name but sorry <laughs> um <laughs> there's actually one track in particular that i really really liked and that was <clears throat> ang paglantau sa maga kinabuhi sauna nga nawada an Ug Pagasa. 
and that song was just good. Let me tell you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> right, that was the most beautiful ruining of anything I've ever heard. <laughs> oh yeah, but that I really really like that song. It was Thank was you. that just you on the piano mess with yeah. some effects for the most yeah, part. It was. Uh, I think that song was literally just piano and nothing else, which is kind of rare for me to do something like that but you know it was for a score so yeah and it fit very well into the the film itself which i watched and i didn't quite understand but it was cool (laughs) well thank you ryan do you think it would have gone well over that bad uh mumford and sons music video you talked about oh the one with idris elba like freaking out talking to himself and he goes over the cliff or whatever oh that would have been perfect if you just stretched <laughs> it out to like nine and a half minutes just just play the music video in slow-mo or just start cutting it's it. already in slow-mo that's the problem <laughs> the, halfway through the video you just start playing it backwards instead so it's like commit suicide reverse no he didn't oh that's nuts I listened. I got a chance. Uh, unfortunately, I wasn't able to listen to the entire your entire collection. Um, but mm. I did get a chance to dive into Swarm of Self, um, mm. which is on your Bandcamp page. Right. Um, and it was, and again, my understanding is some of the bands you're really into can be somewhat progressive, uh, more some rock heavy stuff. And you know, correct me if I'm wrong. And mm. I was really, and I was so that's what I was kind of expecting. And I'm like, oh wait, this is just very ambient, but there's a lot of cool fun little nuances and uh, <laughs> Ryan and I were, when we reviewed the Postal Service album last time mm-hmm. I kind of mentioned that was actually my fascination with the album was all the little nuances and details and that for me was the big thing I got from this album was again all the cool little 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 bits and pieces that are hidden hidden in there that if you really take the time to listen to they come out and they're like oh wow I didn't think you could do that or you know just <laughs> just fun little tricks yeah thank yeah. you yeah, I mean, that's uh, that's something I've always strived to do. I mean, I think it mainly came out of the fact that I don't consider myself a great performer. So I like to, you know, songwriting is my favorite aspect of making music. And I just, you know, I like to put lots of layers in there and stuff like that. And, I, you know, that's what I like to do. And also, you know, possibly it's to make up for the fact that I don't think I'm a great performer. You know what I mean? So I just kind of pack the songs with other things and you know little details like that so i'm glad uh you were able to pick up on that you know because that's what i strive to do but then you can do like a frank zappa thing live and you can just wave the baton and be like you know i wrote this brilliant shit and i just get to wave the stick now <laughs> you're like you can't prove i'm not a good performer i'm not playing <laughs> yeah <laughs> you've inspired me alex now i'm gonna I'm going to write music and I'm going to wave a baton and set people's hair on fire. Whatever Frank Zappa did. Write <laughs> semi-racist musicals? Yeah. <laughs> I'll start with that. What do you think are some of your strengths as a musician slash composer? What do you think are some of your weaknesses? Well, I mean, like I said, you know, I, I feel like I'm a good you know, songwriting is my favorite thing to do, so I pour most of my passion into that part, you know what, what I mean? What about is your favorite part? Um, I just, to me, writing a song is like, it's like the most uh, direct form of expressing an emotion to me, because I'm not really good with words, and I feel like, I feel like, uh, you know, if, I, if I'm trying to express myself through words, I feel like I'm 
filtering the emotion, you know what I mean? Whereas when I write a song, I feel like it's a pure emotion. Mm. So, okay. That's what I love about songwriting. And, um, in production too, obviously, you know, like I said, adding in lots of details and things like that. I think that's one of my strong points. But also, like I said, I don't feel like I'm a great performer because I'm I'm just a lot more motivated to write songs than I am to, you know, sit there and play my guitar all day long. So is that the instrument you play? Well, um, in the band in Metapsychosis I play bass in our live lineup. But, you know, uh, on a lot of recordings and stuff, I play guitar and some piano, too. Great, great. Okay. So. Mm -hmm. I have another question. (laughs) 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 If you could arm wrestle one of the Beatles, which one would it be? And just so you know, Yoko Ono is an option. What about that drummer that didn't last very long? Is he an option too? Yeah, him. Whatever his name is, Bigglesworth, I guess. Um, <laughs> no, the John Lennon. I don't know. Okay. I just got called John Lennon a few weeks ago, so I guess I'd arm wrestle him. I get, I get that all the time. You get Jim <laughs> Davis a lot too. Yeah. <laughs> Little known fact: one year I did not have a Halloween costume, and I went as Jim Davis. <laughs> Nobody knows what he looks like, so I pulled it off very well, I think. He's a fat guy in a Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> <laughs> and he's slightly balding too, right? <laughs> Jeez. Still, I think I did pretty well Yo, I'll with give my it dreadlock. I'll give it my regular shirt. Uh, what, are, what are your thoughts on Garfield the comic? Um, it's great. That's a cop out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I I used to read it when I was younger. I was obsessed with Garfield when I was younger, but he's fucking lazy. He's like the Simpsons of comics now. <laughs> Jim Davis is just like fuck. This cat can eat lasagna for thirty years, and people just keep paying me for this is shit. He's still making Garfield. Yes, comics? yeah. I didn't know that. Seriously, like it started in the late seventies. Wow, I did not know that was still around. You should make a song about it. I might. You can just call <laughs> it Jim Davis. Wait, what were you saying, Alex? I was going to say you can title it Jim Davis, comma, stop. <laughs> Please. Speaking of music and songs, uh, <laughs> like aside from like your own music, what are like what are some artists that you're listening to right now? Um, well, uh... Like, you know, Omar Rodriguez Lopez's. I like his new stuff. And, uh. What did you think of his latest album? Unicorn, Skeleton, Mask, Manatee, <laughs> Socks. <laughs> I did like it a lot. I did like it a lot. Um, it's not quite as, you know, accessible as. I like, uh, Un Escorpion Perfumado. That's my favorite album of his. And that one's a little bit more, uh, it's mixed very well and less noisy. You know what I mean? But Unicorn Skeleton Mask is pretty good. Um, besides that, uh, probably the two uh, bands I've been listening to the most recently are a band called Curious with a Q, and uh, they're strictly electronic music, and then uh, Marriages, uh, mm. I like that too. Did you get and to see them live? I did, yeah. I actually, uh, to be honest, I like them more than Bozzy and Rainbow. <laughs> 
and we all but know how I feel about them. Love marriages, so there, there was a good show, very good show. Yeah. I'm, I'm not normally into post rock uh, type stuff, but um, I think they pull it off pretty well, and her vocals are amazing. So I was, as an amateur drummer, I was generally impressed that um, the drummer plays in the same line as everyone. He doesn't look at them at all. Like there's no visual yeah. cues for him. He's just going purely off. What he right, hears. yeah, and they, they do a lot of uh, extensive, you know, I don't want to say improv, but a lot of uh, long sections too, with lots of different changes. So Absolutely. it's, uh, I noticed that too. Sure. If you could have one band cover one of your songs, what song would it be, and by what band? Ooh, that's a good <laughs> question. Huh? That's uh, that is. Um, <laughs> I'd say Zach's Marquis just because they're an instrumental band that I really like a lot. And uh, what song would it be? If you can think of one at this very moment. One of my songs are you talking about? Yes. Um, oh my would God. it by any chance be Ang Paglanta <laughs> Keep going. You didn't finish the title. Dot, dot, dot. You know, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> No, um, it's a good question. Probably, uh, well, I don't know. One of my favorite uh, instrumental songs that, you know, songs with, you know, actual instruments that I've done is probably the song Cerebral Miasma. I don't know if you heard that one, but so I guess I would say that one. Well done with that answer. <laughs> that was correct. <laughs> I'm glad I got it right. <laughs> Ryan, do you, so have you know a question? you are being oops, sorry. Just so you know, you are being graded on this interview. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope I'm doing well so far. My paper yeah. has a lot of red. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to be victimized in this way, please write to us at I like to be tortured in my interviews at riffandrockmusic.com. <laughs> oh, um, Shoot, I had a question. It was really important. I forgot, so I'm going to make up a question right now. Um, okay. What is the perfect sandwich? Man, you guys are asking all the difficult ones. <laughs> the people out there want to know. Because if you're going to be like just a fucking pastrami on ride, like, I'm not going to see this fucking show. <laughs> Peanut butter and jelly? No. Like, we'll, we'll... Like that's that's a great way to lose listeners. I think I got one. I think I got one. Um, the Frontega chicken sandwich from Panera Bread. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good sandwich. You're gonna this get. Man... Go ahead. What? What? No, you go no. first. I'll say there's gonna be like ten more people at a show. Like I heard you like Panera Bread. <laughs> Can I buy your merchandise? <laughs> Sir, you don't have to talk to me in that tone. <laughs> have you had their steak bagel? It's really good. Does Panera have a steak bagel? Probably. I've only been there once. <laughs> There's a donut shop in Oregon that has a Jägermeister donut. That's interesting. Road trip. Not quite a steak bagel, but you know. <laughs> So, so I also have a question. Okay. 24, 21st century schizoid man or rocket man? Um, whoa, whoa, whoa. I think you have to be specific. Who is performing rocket man? Is it Elton John or is it William <laughs> Shatner? 
Well, should I be more specific? Who's performing 21st century skits right, man? King Crimson or the Flaming Lips? Yes, you should be very specific at this question. Well, King King Crimson and Elton John will just go. We'll go proper. Okay. Twenty uh, first century schizoid man. All right. I think that's about worth half credit. <laughs> <laughs> Never get full points with you. No, you don't. This technicality is <laughs> all over the fucking board. <laughs> My students know about this all too well. I'm like, I took half a point because I'm feeling like a dick tonight. <laughs> Um, what are some other questions that I have? Ooh, ooh, ooh. Um, <laughs> where do you go when you write songs? Is it like a meadow, or is it like a library, or is it like a bat cave or something? Like, where where do you go? Um, well, most of my songs I just write at home to be, to be boring, but... Uh, do you live in a castle? <laughs> it's a good question. Uh, no, I do not. Do you sit on a suspiciously stained futon? <laughs> no, I don't. I hear most musicians do. <laughs> do they? I mean, that's that's what I've heard through. Is the, that the uh, thing? Is the, that the big thing now? Yeah, they just have these suspicious futons that only they would be willing to sit on, and they like sit on their rooms. Yeah, questionable you, futons. His his futon was once like blue, and now it's just kind of like a sky blue. It's very unpleasant. It's gray, gray blotches. <laughs> Are you regretting this decision yet, Neil? Um, no. Okay. No, I do not. Your grade may still be saved. <laughs> I'll try to boost it back up. <laughs> so I asked who you would want to cover your song. What would be one song you would like to cover one day? You're slipping into the middle of a set. Well, I guess uh, it depends on if I'm trying to come up with something that is that I don't care about anybody else and I want to do or if I'm trying to come up with a song that would be good in a live setting. You know what I mean? Shit, that was too good of an answer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess it just depends, basically. Uh, you know. Let's say you're sitting on your not suspiciously stained futon and okay. um, you're like, oh, I'm going to make a cover song, a cover version of a song. What are you going to make? Um, I'd say In Absentia by Mars Volta. Damn, he's good. When we give him <laughs> these easy questions, he needs I've to actually, fucking nail it. I've actually thought about making a cover of that song recently, but I don't know if I'm going to do it or not. I would be very interested to hear a version of that song that's mixed properly. <laughs> I've never heard that song. So I'd have. be interested in hearing it. Have I? I? <laughs> it's off the last Volta album. Nah, I haven't listened to it. We listened to it in a car once. Yeah, once, but I was drunk. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, you got anything else for for this mook? Um, are you reading any good books? Books, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not reading any books at the moment, so. Okay. Well, I do have one. I don't know if it's parting question, but I do have a question. Um, the last big question I have, and it's not silly, it is indeed serious. Um, where do you see yourself in five years? Yes, this is now a well, job interview. <laughs> I had the same question, but it was 20 years. 20 years? Well, it's like you're looking back on your career, you've already gone through rehab three times, but this time I finally <laughs> stuck, and you're like, man, this is my career. <laughs> well, 
in five years, I hope, uh, I will be making soundtracks for a career. That's my that's my goal right now. So, and in twenty years, twenty. <laughs> I don't even know. Um, probably dead. <laughs> okay. <yeah. laughs> uh, so yeah. So d- did you get a chance to listen to the latest David Bowie? I did not, unfortunately. And you haven't listened to any David Bowie's, what I heard. Uh, I've heard uh random songs, but you know, I've never listened to a whole David Bowie album. Whoa, that is weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Neil, any parting words for like the six listeners out there in Riff and Rock Music Talk Land? We've got 30 listeners. 37. 37. Oh, there we go. And the rumor is someone is working on a logo for us. Oh. Look out. Shit. <laughs> Wait. I'm just going to say, you know, thanks for having me. And uh, I have my first full-length solo album coming out pretty soon, so... Is there a website that we can send our listeners to? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, neilstrubel.bandcamp.com is what it's going to be released on. There are actually some demos up there right now from the album, but, you know. And then, your, and then your band page is metampsychosis.bandcamp.com, correct? Yep. Okay. Yes, it is. All right. So you heard it here, folks. This was the very first Riff and Rock interview. Not a complete train wreck. Um, so Neil Struble is bassist slash guitar player slash keyboarder slash multi-instrumentalist. He does music for himself, soundtracks, and plays for the band Metampsychosis. And they are from Michigan? Yep. Where in Michigan? Uh, Riverview. It's south of uh, south of Detroit. South of Detroit. And he has not been robbed yet, as it appears, so he's doing pretty well for himself as a Michigan resident. Neil, thanks so much for joining us on yeah, our thank you. carnival of unfortunateness. You're the best. Thank you, thank Take you care. for having me. You're welcome. Have a good one. Me too. Well, Riff and Rock listeners, we do have a rowdy book club in our background, but we're going to still press on. Um... So for the past 100,000 years, David Bowie has entertained listeners and perplexed them and angered them through a series of albums that range from near perfect to David Bowie, please stop whatever you're doing. Uh, A couple weeks ago, he released his latest album, I think his 100 billionth, called The Next Day, which features possibly the latest, laziest album cover known to man. Definitely the laziest cover. <laughs> the only one I can see that's lazier was um, Frank Zappa released a live album, and in that performance he played with John Lennon and Yoko Ono, and then they released their version of the album, and they literally used Frank Zappa's album cover, and they just wrote their names on it. <laughs> oh, that is almost as... Yeah, those those pretty lazy. <laughs> But yeah, David Bowie's is just as lazy. And it, he, if you confront him about it, I feel like he's just going to attribute it to his old age. He's like, I'm old, I'm lazy, I'm British. But... That's the thing. is, This is the challenge with a musician this... Well, legitimately old. He's in his 70s, late 60s, I think, at this point. He is. And he's in his 60s. 
let's let's investigate because I can edit things. He is 66 years old. So yeah, at this point in someone's career, it's kind of challenging to, especially as a pop rock musician, to put out something that's going to be really new and fresh. And um, so there, he had a big challenge ahead of him releasing an album at this point in his life. And uh, well, what do you think? Do you think he was successful or not? I mean. Okay, so it is David Bowie. So he has a lot, a lot of work that he has accomplished. Um, This is the first album he's made in 10 years. Uh, He had 10 years to think about it and to improve it and to make a little tweak. That's that's like a gun, like Guns N' Roses timeline. Um, But unlike the Guns N' Roses album, I think David Bowie did a stellar job of entertaining people with his music and yeah. conveying his feelings yeah the last one he put out was reality in 2003 so it's been again it's been 10 years um that's not to say he's been working on an album for 10 years he's probably spent some of that time swimming in money and you know being british um because british people do that uh i you know at the end of the day i didn't have anything on here that i specifically went this was groundbreaking there was no like i guess ground control to major tom or space odyssey it's the proper name space oddity space oddity i see like how much of a bowie noob i am or fame or uh, golden years ziggy stardust but i don't there was only one or two instances where i went this isn't that great overall i was i was entertained um i i love this album um it was gritty it was raw it was old could hear the age in his voice and, definitely um the lyrics in like most of these songs are just about age and the inevitable turning of the wheel that will someday stop that is a metaphor for our lives that is what david bowie is writing about he's not i don't think that he's looking to, to revolutionize the music industry and and how he listened to music he's just trying to put some riffs together and just be like, I'm old, get off my grass. <laughs> um, which is the, it's actually the theme of the 11th song of the album called, How Does the Grass Grow? Or, Get Off My Grass, I Will Shoot You. Pre- those parentheses between them. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's implied, okay, people? It's implied. <laughs> so you're not, to be fair, it's not like, Bowie has to re-revolutionize music. In a lot of ways, he revolutionized pop music already once before. Not too many artists get to do it two times over. Well, he's done it, what, how many times? Three? Yeah, uh, I mean, there are quite a few albums in his catalog that really were, were landmark albums that had profound effects. Um, I've he is the only artist aside from Bob Marley that I have seen a four-disc singles collection released. Oh my god. Just his popular songs. Yeah. He's one of those people that if you're not a big Bowie fan, you're going to listen and you put on a Bowie album, you're going to just listen to songs and go, shit, I didn't even know that was a Bowie song, but I love it. That was, I think, two, three years ago, I really finally started to sit and listen through the entire Bowie catalog. I'm like, what, that was a Bowie song? Oh, that was the Bowie song? And I didn't realize... All these songs I used to love listening to classic rock radio were uh, David Bowie songs. Yeah, and he's written a lot of songs and not really taking credit for it. 
That's true. Like, uh, Mott the Hoople's All the Young Dudes, which is a fantastic song. You, should, you guys should listen to it. It's a very good song. Um, and then, of course, he did a couple songs with Iggy Pop during the Berlin years, mm-hmm. which I think were, was a mistake, but whatever. Yeah, we're, I, we're in a small camp that's not... In, in terms of music lover culture, that's not particularly big on the Berlin years. Like before the, the Berlin years, like the glam era, where it was all like, ooh, I'm Ziggy Stardust, that was awesome. What happened to that? Well, then it was the Ziggy Stardust in America phase, and then where he was just totally coked out. Where it was the thin, the thin white duke or whatever. Yeah. And he just looked like he was dead. I like my Bowie on the verge of death. Reminds me a lot of uh, Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, if you've ever listened to him. He's British, too. Oh, I listened to uh, Grinder Man. This is his new band. Oh, really? Yes. Didn't know he was in a different band. Yes. I feel betrayed now. It's called Grinder Man, and I listened to the album Grinder Man 2. Ooh. There's a picture of a wolf on it. Wolves wow. are cool. <laughs> I bet it sounds kind of like this new David Bowie album. It doesn't sound anything like this new David Bowie album. Well, that's his loss. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that I was generally happy to hear throughout this album was a pop album with real instruments. You know, in this day and age, you know, pop albums are all synths and keyboards and theremins and uh, Chapman sticks and shit. And this was just an honest pop rock album. Yeah, I can't imagine David Bowie without at least one real instrument. Yeah, definitely. And he had the signature sax in the albums again. Yeah, although he cleverly hid it in some tracks. Definitely, definitely. Like it was playing the same uh, same notes and the same uh, like octave or whatever of a like the guitar. So they like they blended it. And they're like twinsies. Oh my god. <laughs> Were there any songs on this album you weren't particularly crazy about? Oh, shoot, where is it? It was I'd Rather Be High, I believe, was the one song I had to I skipped numerous times. I was confused by it. sober yeah it's like we get it david bowie you were in the movie zoolander and you regret it and you'd rather be high was that what that song was about i i assume (laughs) i was in that movie i want to do drugs to forget who is is the star with zoolander uh was it schneider no ben stiller yeah if i was in any movie with ben stiller i'd want to be high too the one i that one i was a little confused about the only other song i wasn't a big fan of was uh heat the song we sing about his father in the prison 
Oh, I don't remember that song. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not going to sing it. I put an, an equal sign next to it, which means meh. <laughs> it's your coding scheme. <laughs> it is. I had the uh, bonus one, which came with a couple extra songs, and it was over an hour long, which for a Bowie album is pretty surprising. Yeah. Uh, how long was Ziggy Stardust? It was like 36 minutes? It was like 10 seconds long. Wow. Yeah, 38 minutes. And then um, Hunky Dory was around the same amount of time. This is like a double Bowie album. That was the thing too, I, and I kind of thought that almost literally that it was that the challenge for Bowie at this point is in this album is most of his albums are considerably shorter. They're usually about 40 minutes. There's almost literally 20 minutes of extra Bowie, and so you have to make that 20 minutes worth it. And especially in a pop rock format, an hour-long album is challenging. Anything over an hour long in terms of an album is already going to be challenging for most listeners. That generally is weighing on the, leaning on the long side for an album for an average listener. Um, though some albums pull it off perfectly, like uh, Stinkonia is a pretty stinking long album and it pulls it off pretty well. Yeah. Um, oh, and you have to remember that David Bowie did have 10 years to make this album. That's true. So I'm sure there's a lot of fine tuning and making things just right. Um, one thing that I did not like about this album uh, is that some songs are completely forgettable. Yeah. I'm just going to call it the Mumford in Sons effect. <laughs> <laughs> the Mumford and Sons effect is when a song is just generally insulting because you went, this won awards? <laughs> oh, sorry. This is the the bad religion effect. The bad religion effect. It just kind of, it just, it, um, they all have their unique sound, which I really admired. It's just, um, differentiating between them was a little difficult for me. I would have been okay with a little pruning, maybe cut out a couple songs that were sort of on the weaker end. Um, which apparently, I'd rather be high. <laughs> I'd rather be high. I think Heat was more of a personal choice. Um, Valentine's Day for me was okay at best. Um, I really like Dancing Out in Space. That was a it was a toe tapper. My comment for that was cool song. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I think the song that was my favorite, though, was If You Can See Me. That was just goofy, classic Bowie-ness. Yeah, that reminded me a lot of the Berlin years. <laughs> or Oh, no, that's what it reminded me of. And I made a note, and I hid it from myself, and I found it. <laughs> it reminded me of that one song from Labyrinth, where he was like walking around with the upside-down stairs. Do you remember that scene? No, but let's listen to If You Can See Me. Now you can see I've got a gift of sorts A fear of rear windows and swinging doors A love of violence, a dread of size If you can see me, I can see you If you can see me, I can see you Such a kooky song. <sighs> if you can see me, I can see you This is a true fact. It reminds me of, uh... Can last year released a massive box set of Lost Sessions, which was more the keyboardist went broke and decided to release all this shit that never should have been on albums. But there's one song that's called Streetcar, and it's... It's just demos? Well, it's like stuff that didn't make it to albums, because with Can, they would just jam and play and play and play, and then they would do a bunch of tape editing to make an appropriate song. (laughs) So... And so, like, when the song is three minutes long, that's actually over, like, the course of two hours or six hours sometimes, they go, eh, it, it, 
there we go. Three minutes worth of music. Three. But they had one. Some reason, just that if you can see me, I can see you. The goofiness reminded me of a song from that box set called Waiting for the Streetcar. It's ten minutes long. It's literally a guy just saying over and over and over again, Are you waiting for the streetcar? <laughs> what? I'm not joking. Are you waiting for the streetcar? Almost that way. Almost in that exact tone. Was Are you singer. waiting for the streetcar? <laughs> and then at some point you go, <laughs> <laughs> hey, can we play a little bit of this song for our listeners, please? Yes, sure. This is Are You Waiting for the Streetcar by Can. It's that Berlin years rubbing off, but so overall, would you recommend the next day by David Bowie? Uh, one hundred percent yes. It is a an album that I believe will soon become a classic from a classic artist. He is ubiquitous, and if you don't listen to it, you're a communist. <laughs> yeah, that's a bold statement, from an old fucking man. <laughs> I saw a recent photo of him. He's gotten kind of grumpy looking too. I hope there's more albums and it's just called the Grumpy Bowie Years. He should entitle uh, his next album My Lawn, and then all the songs should be entitled like Get Off of It, Stop Looking at It, Get Your Dog Off My. Hey, you kids. <laughs> I own a shotgun. And he's not, well, Bowie's not even touring for this uh, album. Really? No. Is he gonna be like MF Doom and have people go in his place? Yeah. <laughs> Instead of David Bowie, it's like, it's Iggy Popper, <laughs> Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> it's Sade. He could probably pull it off. I would say this is definitely worth checking out. Uh, is it the best Bowie album? No. But is it a solid Bowie album? Definitely. I, again, maybe one or two songs that aren't great, but overall, I don't think there's any genuinely bad songs. There's nothing insulting. I'm uh, I'm tempted to see what Justin Bieber is going to do with his album and if or his career and if people in the future will look back on his achievements as legendary as uh, David Bowie. I, you know I don't know if we're ever gonna have long-standing pop stars like this anymore. I I personally don't see it happening. I don't know. Justin Timberlake seemed to have made something of himself. I hear he could. He might cement himself, but I think it's gonna be fewer and far between. We're not gonna have so many ancient musicians that are still selling shitloads of records. 
So do we really want to comment quickly on um, that other album we were going to originally review and then decided not to because it was a stupid idea? I think we should. Yeah, I'm sorry for pushing it so much. <laughs> did you end up listening to it? I did. I, mm, I skipped around a lot. But because uh, I mean, it's pretty much the same. It's just a story. But I think we should end with with um, a fairly longer cut of it. <laughs> a ridiculous cut. <laughs> So, just to comment real quick, um, I think we're still recording, or still doing a show here. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, we also, we, our original plan was to review Unearthing by Alan Moore, which is a, basically like an audiobook of a uh, essay, short story, I don't know what you would call it, a biography about another comic writer, I think named David Moore. And then there's a bunch of music in the background, and uh, it's two and a half hours long. And it's a dry British man talking at you for two and a half hours long, and then weird music. Would you have any other better way of describing it? Uh, Essentially, Alan Moore is jerking off while he's reading a story to you. (laughs) That's about it. I can just imagine him naked, pleasing himself. I hope he's ankle deep in money when he's doing this recording. (laughs) It's like, people bought this thing. Uh, so yeah. Um, thanks, everyone, for listening. As thanks, always. everybody. Uh, if you are a musician and you felt our treatment of Mr. Struble was appropriate and would like an interview of your own, by all means, send us a contact. We are more than happy to set up a interview with you where we will ask you more bizarre questions about lunch items and um, things. And stuff. And things and stuff. And which Beatle you would challenge to an arm wrestling match. And whether or not you would win. You should have asked that. Ah, I should have asked that. Fuck. I thought it was just kind of assumed. (laughs) (laughs) And then they went to the top of the hill and it was very precipiced. And then I drove in my Studebaker to the comic shop where they were talking about the Green Lantern. But I really don't like the Green Lantern. Back to what my Studebaker and then my wife at the time made me fish and chips, but I don't like fish and chips. I like squid and chips. Squid and chips is chippy squiddy licious. <laughs> That's really accurate. <laughs> I couldn't hold squiddy chippy licious. <laughs>